Welcome to Virtual School Assembly. I'm your host, Tyler Christensen. I'm a productivity speaker, author, and classroom teacher. Here at Virtual School Assembly, I interview Hollywood celebrities, professional athletes, Olympians, speakers, and educators who share messages of inspiration, education, and hope to better prepare you for an ever-changing and uncertain world. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Welcome back to Virtual School Assembly. Today our guest is Claire Felix. Claire is a professional volleyball player from Colorado. She was a four-year starter and All-American middle blocker at UCLA. After graduation, she moved to England to pursue a master's in business management degree from Durham University um, while coaching and playing on the professional team and also the university team. She spent her first true pro season away from school in Europe and spent the next season in Brazil where she was one of the top four attackers in the Brazilian Super League. She has now competed for four years of professional play internationally and will be playing this upcoming season, fingers crossed if things work out with COVID, uh, in France for one of the most successful clubs in all of Europe. She prides herself in being a citizen of the world and I'm really excited to get into that part of her story today as well. Welcome to the show, Claire. Hi guys, thank you so much Tyler for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, yeah, and just talk to you guys and hopefully bring a little light in this kind of crazy time for everyone. Yeah, thank you. Well, so we have a, a lot of kids watching this who uh, are playing volleyball, love volleyball, but volleyball is kind of one of those underappreciated sports. It's not huge in the United States, um, but I'm just curious for you, when did you start playing? How young were you when you started playing at all? And then how old were you when you got a little more competitive? Okay, um, absolutely. So I love volleyball. I've been playing it for a really long time now. <laughs> um, I actually was a com like a competitive ballerina slash dancer. Um, mm -hmm. And I was trained in like the classical style. So that's what I thought I was going to be um, when I was little. And then all of a sudden I was really tall and it was going to be really hard to find a partner. <laughs> um, so I actually started playing club when I was 10 years old. Wow. Um, I played for a club called Colorado Juniors and they were the best club in Colorado and they still exist now. I coach for them um, in the summers. Um, but the owners actually found me in a grocery store and were like, you're going to play for us. So come to tryouts next week. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> uh, okay now, I, I want to stop you there just because this happens a lot to tall people, right? Where it's assumed that if you're tall, you either play volleyball, if you're a girl or, or basketball. And mm -hmm. if you're a guy that you play basketball, was that irritating to you? Or did you like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm tall. I'll play volleyball. <laughs> um, at that point, I was like pretty okay with it. Um, I was like a little curious about it because I played for fun. Um, my mom played growing up and my dad played basketball and coached um, at the collegiate level for 22 years. So I had exposure to both okay. um, and my whole family's tall. So to me, it wasn't weird to be tall um, or abnormal or whatever. I was just like, I love being tall. Um, but yeah, at that point I was like, okay, let's do it. Why not? This is, I need something cool. new and I liked it and then on out, I was um, playing at an elite level. So I started at 10, played on a 13s team because um, there wasn't like 12s or younger teams when mm -hmm. I started. That's how old I am, guys. Um, and then basically from there on out, I played up my whole career. Um, I committed to UCLA when I was 15 or 16 wow. um, verbally. 
and then signed my national letter of intent um, my senior year and then went on to play at UCLA and now I'm in the pro world. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of unusual to get that much interest at, at 15, um, especially in volleyball. I, again, not one of those, you know, you're not getting wind and dine like the football players. Um, mm -hmm. What was that like to get attention early on while you're still relatively young in high school? Um, absolutely. So it's crazy. Um, so it's there's different rules now than when I played um, and was getting recruited, but I actually got my first letter of interest when I turned 13, uh, the day I turned 13, which was really cool. Um, yeah. It was really like, oh my gosh, like this is real kind of a thing. Um, and you're like, you can do this, you can play in college. Um, so that was really special when that happened. And then I, it was kind of aggressive, like looking back on it, um, making a lifelong decision basically uh, at, 15, deciding when you're 13 and 14, like going and visiting schools and unofficial visits, of course, like mm -hmm. we're paying for them, that kind of thing. Um, I don't want anyone to get in trouble because <laughs> <laughs> nothing illegal happened, don't worry. Um, but basically just going on these visits and trying to decide like, do I think I could major in something here? Do I like this school? Is my family close? Is um are the girls nice um do they have a great football team that was really important to me <laughs> um all those kinds of things factoring in at a really young age and then making that decision and sticking with it and then eventually attending that school um but it was a really cool experience to have kind of chosen where I wanted to like look at and then be in these nationwide tournaments and all that kind of stuff and be playing and have some of the biggest college coaches sitting on your court watching you. And you're like, I'm not in high school yet. This is really cool. Right, <laughs> um, yeah, I imagine. Um, but, how much, how much of the decision to go to, U to UCLA was that they were an elite program? I mean, they've always been kind of a powerhouse in the, in the volleyball world. And how much of it was those other factors that it's a great academic institution. It's, relatively close to home how did you uh, balance the, all of those decisions out um so I put a lot of weight into the academics so school is really important to me um mm -hmm. and sports are amazing they're awesome they do a lot of great things for you they build some great characteristics but they have an end um at least your playing career does and so for me I wanted somewhere that I was going to be able to excel academically um, and set myself up in the long run for life, as well as for volleyball. Um, and you never know what can happen when you're, with your playing career. So if for some reason something did happen and I had gotten hurt um, and it had ended my career, I wanted to still be happy with what I was doing. Um, so I'd say they both played really heavy roles. I wanted to go to a big program. Um, I wanted to fight for national championships. They won two years before I got there, which was really cool. It was the same year I committed. Um, but yeah, so all of those things came into play. I, my family was close. My whole family's from Southern California. So it was awesome to have 30 people at games yeah. um, and have a great academic institution, have great support from the athletic community as well as the community around. Um, 
yeah, I just, I loved it. (laughs) Well, that's cool. And the reason I dig into this is, you know, a lot of kids watching this are making that college decision. And and for most of them, it's not based on an athletic scholarship. It's just a, a fit thing. But there are so many different factors that go into deciding your school. And having been a professor at four different universities, I can say there are pros and cons to anywhere you go. You're, you know, just going somewhere is a good step. But some of those little things do make a big difference. And, and certainly in your case, with the academic prestige of a UCLA degree, I mean, I'm sure that influenced what you did afterwards with pursuing a, a graduate degree and, and things like that. Before we get to that, however, you were an All-American at UCLA. So you had a lot of success there. Um, what was it like just to be named All-American? What was that experience like for you? Um, it was really special. Um, it was at a really hard time in my career um, for me personally. So I had actually torn my labrum um, and we found out the spring before that season. Um, I was an All-American my junior season and I had my labrum completely destroyed. And so I fought with um, the decision to get surgery and I was actually denied being able to have surgery. Um, and so that was really frustrating. And so the buildup to that season was me just going kind of crazy in the weight room in my nutrition in like my meditation, my mindset training, my everything, because I was fighting through something here that was affecting everything else. Um, And so when that happened and making it through that season and having the support of my team around me and um, our doctors and trainers and weights coaches and nutritionists and everyone who, and academic advisors, everyone who played a role in that, I just like, I was so overjoyed that all that hard work had come to fruition. Um, I've never been huge on awards or anything like that or personal acknowledgement. But for that situation, it was just really like mind blowing for me. Um, And I was just really happy. (laughs) That's cool. Well, and congratulations. I mean, that's very, very few people can say that they were an All-American. So that's quite an honor. Thank Um, you. Now, as you graduated and looked for, you know, life after college, um, you ended up going to England, which was a huge leap. I mean, so many people would never dare do something like that. Um, how much of that was an academic decision and how much of it was there are possibilities to play professionally in Europe? Um, how did you weigh that decision? Um, this is a great question. <laughs> They're all great questions, but this one is, um, I definitely think one that has pros and cons to it in major ways. Um, so I had actually wanted to just go play pro right out of college. Um, I always wanted to get my master's, but I was like, I'll come back and do it. Guys, just get school done right away. (laughs) Um, It's really hard to come back and do stuff. I'm even like looking at just like little courses and stuff now just to like keep my knowledge up and it's hard. I've been away from school for a while. Um, But basically how it ended up happening is I wasn't super in a great place with volleyball um because I had come back from my shoulder surgery through my senior year I wasn't super healthy yet um even though I had played and physically I wasn't like going to be capable to play a season um with the intensity of a pro season overseas and the places I was looking at going to play um and so I was really stuck in this place of 
do I go play? Do I not go play? I want to go get my master's. Can I have both? Um, and this opportunity presented itself. And one of my friends came to me and was like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, mm, maybe. And then I was like, no, this is, I prayed about it. I went through it all. And at the end of the day, that was like where I was led into that decision. And um, so I actually had to take a step back in the volleyball world of playing pro sports, uh, which was a little rough for me. Um, because I stepped out of the elite level for a year. Um, and so I kind of had to start back at the bottom again when I entered the pro world. Uh, but I wouldn't have traded that experience for anything because I got to coach internationally. I got to play internationally. It's the first time I'd ever left the country. <laughs> um, and I have a really great business degree. So I'm really happy with it all. <laughs> That's really cool. Well, and another cool experience you had here, this happens to a lot of people when you're competing at a really high level and you either you have to step away because of an injury or some other family circumstance or COVID or whatever it is, or you choose to step away, whatever the case, if you're planning on going back to that elite level, there was probably a lot that you did on that year off to mm -hmm. maintain your fitness, to maintain your health. Can you talk about that a little bit? What are some of the things you did when, while you weren't competing so that that still left the door open to go back to competing at a high level? Absolutely. So it was really hard <laughs> um, going to grad school from or going to class from nine to six. Um, and then there was no like lunch break. So you'd have to eat in class. Um, and then I went straight from class to our training session uh, and I had coached. So I was coaching and playing in our sessions. We had a really small team. I think we had eight or nine girls. Um, and then I'd go into our second and third team practice right after that. And then efficient a uh, training session, like a fitness session. And it was really hard because you're eating in class, your meal prep is super important, um, what you're feeding your body, what you shouldn't be feeding your body, uh, not going and grabbing that Snickers bar, even though it looks really delicious because you're just like starving at the end of the day. Um, so it was really hard for me to kind of get a hold of that at first. Um, and then I really like, reevaluated what I really wanted to do after like do I want to pursue higher education again um, and stay and get a doctorate or then a PhD and that kind of thing or do I just want to go play like do I want to do what I love and go play and be in that world um, and be back at that level I love and that's what I wanted to do so uh, it was really hard I um, actually got on a plan with one of my friends who was playing there too and he was doing his own thing. I was like, all right, you got to, we're going to keep each other accountable. We're going to work out. We're going to, I got to get back in shape for this kind of thing. And he was like, all right, I'm supporting you. You're supporting me. Um, and so I was really grateful for that because uh, it was really hard because everyone in grad school wants to go out to dinner and they want to go do this and that and um, stay up late. And I really couldn't follow that same kind of trend doing what I wanted to do in life. Right. So just finding that focus. So, so here's a pro tip for you kids out here watching. One of the things that made a big difference, and, and I've seen this with a lot of the other people we've had on the show, having some sort of accountability partner where you push each other and you have to report on what you're doing. And, and you can do this during the season or the off season. And, and it doesn't have to be sports. It can be for academics. It can be for anything. If you have something you're working with, the probability of succeeding in that thing shoots up like exponentially. And, and so we've certainly seen that here with Claire. Now, Claire, as, as you were, 
working on your master's degree and then looking forward to a professional career. I know you mentioned before to me that there were some image or some issues with body image and, and shaming and things like that. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? Uh, absolutely. So it doesn't just happen when you're younger. Um, it's definitely something that can happen through your whole life, as horrible as that sounds. Um, so I faced it in college. I, um, there's a stigma around women's volleyball in general, where you have to look a certain way, you have to be a certain way, um, whether it's you have to be pretty, you have to be thin, you have to be this, you have to whatever. Um, there's a million different ones that can be thrown out there. And for me, that's something I've never put a ton of focus into. Yes, I want to be in the best shape I can be. I want to be focused on what I'm doing. I want to eat right. Um, I want to be strong. But my strong is going to look different than the girl next to me. Um, genetically, everything, just training-wise, weight-wise, all of that, height-wise. Um, so that started in college for me. Um, it really started after my shoulder surgery. So I had my whole shoulder reconstructed after my junior season, which I had kind of spoken about earlier. Um, my rotator cuff, my labrum, and my biceps tendon. Um, and when that happened, I had to take five and a half months off from any kind of fitness. And um, my own mental health was kind of deteriorating at that point because I wasn't around the team. I was in physical therapy hours and hours a day. Um, you see progress, but you just want to be back on the court. You want to be back to doing everything you love. Um, I couldn't even take notes in class. So it was really hard for me to feel like I was connected to people around me. And I felt like everyone was having to do stuff for me. Um, and in that time, I obviously lost muscle mass. I gained some weight, um, even eating as healthy as I could. My body was just gaining weight. Um, and it was really hard to not kind of feed into that and be like, all right, well, if they're telling me I'm overweight, then who cares if I have uh, an extra scoop of ice cream at dessert or I'm going to eat that extra piece of pizza if I go to the dining hall or something like that. And for me, it was a really big battle because I was battling not only myself and what was going on internally, but what I was being told. And at a certain point, I was told I was too fat to play volleyball. And that was really hard for me. Um, I just come off being an All-American and all of a sudden now I'm too fat to play volleyball and I'd only gained 10 pounds. And so for me, that was really, really hard. Um, and it kind of turned into a really long battle for me. Um, I didn't like to show it to anyone because I didn't want anyone to feel sorry for me or um, think I was weak or whatever. And the reality is, is if you are struggling with something like that, like there's a million people out there who are there to support you. And people, um, people will tear you down before they build you up. And at the end of the day, like, if you're okay with how you look, if you're okay with who you are, if you're happy in your own skin, then it doesn't matter whatever someone else is saying um, about you. And so that was really hard to deal with in college. Um, it was kind of the first time I'd really seen that at a really aggressive level. Um, and it wasn't just happening to me, unfortunately, like, unfortunately, cause I don't want to see it happen to anyone else. Um, and then in the pro world, it kind of carried on. Um, there's a big stigma in the pro world about looking a certain way. And, um, 
they sell you based on your looks. So you get sponsors based on how pretty your team is, or if their sponsorship looks good across the back of your spandex or your jersey or um, your socks or whatever it is. And if you don't look the way they want you to, then there's going to be a problem. Um, and that can result in you not getting paid. It can result in you not getting contracts. It can result in you getting fired halfway through the season. Um, and so it's a really harsh battle to be going with. Um, I'm really lucky to have found clubs who uh, support strong women. Um, I like to be strong. I like to lift weights. Um, my legs got bigger in college. That's okay. <laughs> it's going to happen when you train. Um, and just like support that body positivity of if my body can do this at the weight I am right now and the muscle mass I have and all of that, and I'm happy with how I look, then there's no reason to change. Um, and so it's been a rough journey and I won't say like every day is a great day with it. Um, but yeah, it's okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, I can't even imagine what that's like to go through. And I'm literally, I can't imagine. I mean, I was a morbidly obese 300 pound man and no one ever said anything to me because I'm a man, you know, and it's socially acceptable in my world to be fat. And, and in fact, the opposite was true. I'd run marathons at 280, 290 pounds and everyone would celebrate me and be like, way to go fat. <laughs> they wouldn't call me fatty. I'd call myself fat. Oh. Uh, but <laughs> but I, I totally haven't experienced that. But I know that this is a major issue. And especially, I mean, I'm seeing it in the elementary school level, you know, with with just these young kids that are, it, it's not okay. Um, but I think as a culture, we're not learning how to deal with that. I, it, it's a tough thing because not very many people talk about it. So I appreciate you being a little vulnerable here and, and sharing that with us. Um, I, I know that that can help a lot of kids out there, especially young women. So thank you. Um, Absolutely. Let, let, let's talk about your pro career a little bit. Um, so your your entire pro career has been overseas, correct? Um, and so you you've had a few cool things with that. One is the opportunity to see the world and and enjoy different cultures and, and things like that, which I'm sure is going to be immensely valuable to you long term. Um, but you've also got to play the game you love for a few extra years and and been paid to do it. That's pretty cool. Talk about your first contract. How did you get your first contract? Who was it with? And and what was that like? Um, okay, absolutely. So um, I'm really grateful for my life overseas. It's really hard to be away from my family. Um, eight to nine to maybe 10 months out of the season or a year. Um, but their love and support, no matter what, has given me that opportunity. So I'm really grateful. Um, so my first contract was with a team in Finland. And I never thought I would see myself playing in Finland. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> um When you think about playing pro when you're growing up, you want to play in Italy, you want to play in Russia, you want to play in uh, Turkey or China or Brazil, and you're like, oh, those are the places I'm going to play. Um, I took a step out of the world of volleyball, and so that was not a reality for me coming out of grad school. Um, So I signed this contract with this team, uh, with my current agent. I'm super grateful for him because he's awesome. Um, And it was really hard. It was really different than what I expected. I had a coach... Um, I asked our coach in the first three weeks, like, Hey, can you look at this? I just want to tweak my blocking. And he, um, he goes, I need to be honest with you. I don't know how to coach elite players. 
And at that moment, I was like, holy cow, why am I playing pro if I'm not going to get back to where I want to be, um, right. where I need to be to go to the next level again and uh, be at that like top 1% kind of level. And he, that like took a toll on me. So we trained six hours every day. We had maybe 10 off days in the whole year. Um, minus our Christmas break. We had a little Christmas break and it was really hard. I hurt my back really bad. Um, the physical side of it, the mental side of it, everything was really just kind of depressing in a bit, in a way. Uh, there was six inches of ice surrounding the building where we lived for almost six months out of the time I was there. Um, and we didn't see the sun for probably four months at least. Um, we had an hour of sunlight a day. Um, and it was during training, so we didn't see it, um, which was really hard. (laughs) And I did, it was really cool. (laughs) Um, definitely something I recommend for everyone to see. It's amazing. It's a once in a lifetime kind of thing. Um, um, we were actually in our bus traveling from the North, um, back uh, to our city and we could see it outside our bus windows as we drove by and it was surreal. So super cool. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so we basically trained all the time. Um, I actually developed an allergy, uh, to gluten and dairy while I was there. Um, which was interesting in a country that uses a lot of dairy in their products, a lot of butter, a lot of milk. Um, and there's a lot of bread at things so that was really hard for me um and then but you make it you find a way you know what I mean there's always different things you can do um and then I ended up getting hurt but still playing through the season and then after that contract ended ended up just spending three months recovering before going into the next one yeah and the next one for you was that Brazil so then you went down to Brazil for a few years okay um I, I don't know a lot about how they negotiate contracts and between the different leagues and different countries and stuff. Were you targeting Brazil? I, I know that's one of the more elite places to play. Um, were you trying to get there or was it just circumstance? How, how did you end up down in Brazil? Um, so my story to Brazil is a little crazy. Um, I actually ended up signing my contract after the main part of the team had already reported Um, so I signed a really late contract and part of that was due to the fact that even though I had a good season in Finland, um, they, teams will judge you based on where you played, um, what they see in film, the level they see across the net from you and whether they think you can play there. Um, so no matter what I had done in college, it didn't matter anymore. It was what I was doing at that point. And so um, I hadn't had a lot of interest throughout the summer. It was really s- kind of a struggle for me. I was looking for real jobs, not saying being a pro athlete isn't a real job, right. um, but it's more of a short-term career and especially f- for women's volleyball. Um, yeah. And so I was like, okay, should I just use my degree right out of college, basically kind of get going in life and start like, settling down. And then I was like, that's just not really what I want. Um, prayed about it again. I talked to my agent, talked to my family. I was like, this is what I'm going to pursue. 
it's going to be a risk, but uh, this is what I want. And so I told my agent, I want, I will play in these four countries and find me a contract. Hmm. And <laughs> um, that works out one of two ways for people right. <laughs> um, with either yay, excited success or okay, this isn't happening. You need to find something else. And I was really lucky um, that I had a coach take a chance on me and now we're great family friends and everything and he's awesome um and i'll go back to brazil to visit him and his family at some point but um he saw one attack from me and called my agent and said okay can you get her on the phone we want to sign a contract with her this week and get her to brazil um and so that was really cool and i knew it was meant to be at that point um but it was awesome so that's how i ended up in brazil <laughs> that's cool well and one of the things that's cool about your career so often we have and we see this especially in in the big name sports in basketball and football that you'll have these guys that were really successful in high school went to college and were the big man on campus in college get drafted in the pros and then realize that once you up that competition level now they're just a small fish and and a lot will fizzle out. Not that they're fizzling out because they're playing at this elite level, but it's hard to keep that upward uh, trajectory. In, in your pro career, I mean, you, you were going on this upward trajectory, took some time off, so it reset you a little bit. And then in your pro trajectory, you're continuing to find better and bigger opportunities. And that's led to this next year in France, playing for one of the best clubs really in the whole world. Um, and so it's cool to see that you've continued to grow, continued to improve. What's your secret to success there? For kids that are looking for long-term, you know, sustainable growth, what have you done that made that possible? Um, yeah, yeah, okay. This, I love this question too. Um, <laughs> so honestly, just like looking at who you want to be, who, what you want out of what you're doing, um, and committing to it and finding a way and we all want this path that's super straight and it's hardly ever like that especially in athletics um there's very few people i know who just like everything's just fallen in line um exactly how they wanted it so you got to be ready for this roller coaster of little ups and downs and sideways turns um and kind of expecting anything but also with that living super present so for me I've committed to just living every day. So I'm a hundred percent committed to this season, but I'm committed to my workout today. I'm committed to the training sessions I did this morning, um, to the lessons I did with kids this morning, to the training session I'll do again tonight, to my mindfulness training today. Um, because without that daily effort and that daily work on myself, I'm not going to be able to get where I want to be. Um, I actually spoke with a kid the other day about this and she's like, well, I want to be the best. And I said, that's awesome. I believe you can be the best and I want you to be the best. I want you to achieve all your goals, but right now you're trying to take this path and this path. Okay. Let's say it's hundred percent attainable. How long can you sustain that? There's, you want to be here right this second, but to do that, like, if it was me, I'd have to jump five inches higher. I'd have to hit 20 miles an hour harder. I'd have to never miss a block in my life. And 
ace everybody I went back and served and be able to play six rotations. Let's say that would make me the best player. I said, is that attainable for me right now or today, tonight? Can I achieve that in the next six hours? And she was like, well, no. And I said, so why do you have to be the best today? Can you be the best of what you have today? And I think that's kind of how I've gotten to where I am and is if I only have 60% of my 100 um, on a perfect day or a great day, then I'm going to be 100% of that 60%. And knowing that I might not feel great or my allergies might be bad or I might have pulled a muscle or something might be going on or my family or something's going on outside of it that's affecting what I have that day, but just committing to what you have and being okay with it or you have an off day in the gym or the classroom or whatever you're passionate about and being like, okay, so today is not going right for me and I'm not very happy with it, but what am I getting out of this still? What am I learning about myself mentally? What am I learning about myself physically? How can I grow from this moment um, and take it with me into tomorrow? And so I think that's just been really big for me um, and being okay with failure. Like, it was really hard for me to take a step down and then go back up. Um, but then, honestly, I got to the po that point where I was like, find me a contract in these four countries or I'm done and I'm walking away and I'm okay with that. And being so passionate about something that you're willing to risk it in order to get what you want. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's just kind of my advice is with that. That's great. That's great advice. And I, I think kids do want success right away and it's hard to remember when you're young that it's those incremental gains it's the the consistency and and continue to put forth that effort that leads to long-term success and happiness so really appreciate that advice Claire it's been so fun having you on the show today uh thank you for coming on I know um you have Instagram right so if kids want to follow you or whatever what's your handle for Instagram uh so my handle is at claire.felix8 um, and feel free to comment, reach out. Um, I normally respond. Sometimes I'm not great at it, um, but I'll always try and find a way if you guys have questions or um, want to talk about something or you need some inspiration, then yeah. Cool. Follow well, me. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you today and hearing about your journey. Congratulations on all your success. Well, thank you guys so much. And thank you, Tyler, for having me on. And I'm glad we could chat. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today on Virtual School Assembly. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen to Virtual Assemblies. And leave us a rating and review so we know what you learned and took away from this Virtual Assembly. Videos and show notes are found at virtualschoolassembly.com. And if you're a school leader and you're looking for a speaker for virtual or traditional in-school assemblies, or if you're looking for some teacher training, I'd love to connect with you to see how I can help. You can check out my website at tylerchristiansen.com. Thanks. You are super duper. Let's go out and make the world a better place. Bye-bye.